بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد بارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اما بعد dear listeners dear brothers and sisters السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته we turn to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first and foremost in humility in humbleness asking him for his assistance and his help in all our affairs we thank him for giving us this uh, very beautiful opportunity to sit with the quran on this evening and to share some of the beautiful teachings of surah maryam we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to inspire inspire all of us uh, to practice on the very best to inspire us to say that which is most relevant to all of us and a reminder to myself and all of us that the quran is a solution to every single one's pr- problems every single individual problem that we have as well as our collective problems it's simply that we have to search and look for the answers and if we search and look for it then inshallah the answers are r- clearly written there so we should all turn to allah azza wa jal with utmost humility and humbleness and sincerity and say allah allow me to hear today in the session what is most relevant and what's most appropriate for me what i need most in my life and allah most most loving and caring inshallah will definitely allow us to see that and hear that bidhni ta'ala allah azza wa jal in this uh, surah we spent a good amount of time last week on the just simple one aspect of the verse wherein allah jalla jalalu said wa huzi ilayki bid'un nakhla that shake towards yourself the trunk of the date palm pretty much a good 45 minutes or more probably was spent on that uh in in which we talked about the various uh, lessons that can be derived from this ayah in which we've been asked to when she with maryam alayhi salam maryam radiyallahu anha is being asked to shake the trunk of the date palm and how um we have to use means and how allah took care of her needs because she dedicated herself to the deen and how she didn't question the command of allah even though it seemed very difficult for a lady uh, at this stage to be moving a huge uh, uh you know a huge tree etc all the various things and then i i mentioned about the uh, uh i mentioned the aspect about the benefits of eating dates so uh, and for a child as well and one of our physicians here shared with me a detailed article he had came across right after the tafsir to see the various benefits that i mentioned not only for the uh, expecting lady or the one who's already just gave birth but also the whole aspect of tahnik that we spoke about where a child is born and you put a sweet date in the or something sweet in the mouth uh, and we chew and put it there and the medical benefits that have been discussed and discovered now of putting something sweet on the palate of a newborn right things that definitely were not known thousands of years ago So next Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Maryam fakuli washrabi wa qarri aina eat and drink and cool your eye Three things now it's time for you to relax you've given you've given birth to a, an an a miraculous birth so now for you you need your uh, you know leave maternal leave right you need to just simply relax and recuperate and rejuvenate yourself and you're going to do that by eating and drinking from these eat these dates drink from this water and then qarri aina cool your eye so some ulama have said qarri aina here means to sleep basically you need a lot of rest yeah it's that is much needed after such a uh, difficult journey so rest another explanation of qarri aina qarar is when something is not moving 
Something is still is called qarar, mustaqir. So qurratul ayn, we translate as, you know, the coolness of the eye. It actually means that you're looking at a scenery that is so beautiful, so nice, so inviting that you don't feel like turning away. You don't feel like looking at anything else. You know, you just, your eyes are glued to something. That's your qurratul ayn. Because your eyes don't need to look at anything else. You see that and you feel content. You say, if I can see some, a view like this, you know, may Allah Azza wa Jal take all of us soon, uh, inshallah, to the Haramina Sharifa and say, Ameen. But you know that view, if you, when, you, when you, you move into your, your room, in your hotel room, and you're wondering, you know, which, which floor am I at and which direction am I at, and you open the, the curtains and subhanAllah, you're looking at one aspect of the Masjid Haram or Masjid al Nabawi. And you freeze, right? You forget your whole journey. You forget, you know, if you had a delay in a, a stopover somewhere, you lost your bag, you, you had some person who was not necessarily the best, you know, a, a partner in the, in the plane, all that stuff. When your eyes fall upon this beautiful uh, scene of the Haram al-Madani or Haram al-Makki, you know, you forget everything that happened on that journey and you're lost. And it's, it's hard for you to even close uh, the, the curtain And instead If anything Maybe your roommate Will wake you up And say hey listen man Let's go to the real place Let's go Stop looking at it Let's pack up Wash up And let's go downstairs Alright So that That is what Qurrat al-Ain is That you're looking at Something so beautiful That you don't want You don't want your eyes To go anywhere else Your eyes are, have qarar So This aspect of qarar Where does this um, You know uh, Where does that come from um, If you look in the Quran Interestingly, Allah Azza wa Jal uses those word qarar with children. Allah Jalla Jalaluhu says, uh, Allah Azza wa Jal says in Surah Furqan and Surah Qasas, two places. Um, in Surah Furqan, Allah Azza wa Jal says, Qurrata a'yun, waj'alna lilmuttaqina imama. Oh Allah, make my children uh, the qurrata a'yun. And in Surah Al Qasas, Allah Azza wa Jal also mentions um, regarding Musa alayhi salam's mother, Qarri Aina. Right, oh, um, he also mentions the aspect of uh, coolness of eyes. So we, real, we see here in both of these surahs, in Surah Qasas and Surah Furqan, the coolness of eyes is mentioned in the context of children. So that tells us that one of the greatest gifts anyone can be given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are beautiful righteous children that become a source of happiness for a father or a mother and that when they see them they don't they forget all their other problems right so a person thinks that when a person uh, you know has challenges and stress at work or on a business trip or whatnot but when he comes home and he sees his little kids they make him forget everything that they went through that is the power and the beauty of children which people uh, should realize that subhanAllah, children are a huge gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they genuinely suck up all your negative energy. Right? All the you know, stress that a person has. They'll give you another type of stress after some time. But it's not the stress of the world that you're coming into. Because the innocence, they're, they're literally masoom, innocent, never sinned people. You know how we say, oh, this is person is a very elderly scholar, let's go request him for a dua. No matter how elderly, no matter how great scholar he is, he's not masoom. No one's masoom. But a child is actually masoom. A child, the book of deeds hasn't even opened yet. So genuinely they're 
true fitrah, they're on the innate nature which Allah has created them. You can't get a more pious person than that. Right? Think about that. A five-year-old, a four-year-old, three-year-old, that innocence is, is everything. And so, you know, you can't, you can't compare that with them. You're going to say, how come that same enjoyment I don't get when they grow older? Of course, may Allah make it like that, that we get enjoyment from them when they grow older. But there's, they're two different beasts. One is masoom and one's not masoom. You and I are not masoom. Right? So, hence, as much as we try, but we're still not going to be able to give that beautiful positive energy that a little child gives. Because he's innocent. He's close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Quran speaks on this context. Two places, Qurrat Ayun, as well, now add so this story too. So three places, Furqan, Qasas, and Maryam. All of these places is, is discussed with children. Um, then, and we're being asked, we're, at, we're, being at, we're, we're being taught to ask Allah, that Ya Allah, make my children the coolness of mice. So that tells us that some of them are not, if the, Allah doesn't accept them, especially when they grow older. Nabi alayhi salatu salam has taught us, in, you know, one of the du'as is mentioned in the books of du'a. Allahumma inna na'udhi bika min waladin yakuna alayya wabala. Oh Allah, I seek protection in you from a child that will become a source of test and misery for me, a musibah for me. Right? I seek refuge in you from a child that will become a source of problems and difficulty. Because it's a double-edged sword. When they grow older, definitely things can you know, go wrong. And they can become a source of great pain and, and discomfort. That's why the Prophet ﷺ said there are three people whose dua do not get rejected. And one of them is da'watul walidi al-walad. The curse of a father against his son. Why has that been mentioned? Because a father in most, most, most cases would never raise his hands and curse his son. But there may be certain instances where the son or daughter really, really do the unthinkable and push the nerves of their parents beyond what they can handle. And if they end up raising their hands, then this person is destroyed. Gone, completely destroyed. So these are three people, and one of them is three people whose, whose du'as are, are never rejected. And he didn't say a father's du'a for his son. It's mentioned the father's du'a against his son or child. Against. Because the level of sincerity that's going to be there, and the level of brokenheartedness for a father to say, Oh my God, I can't believe this day has come that I have to resort to this, that I have to raise my hands and curse my son. That must be a very sad day for that dad. It's not just a sad day for the, of course, it's going to be a very sad future for that child, a very sad future, the rest of his life for this son or daughter who put his dad through that. But imagine his father, that father who spent his entire life building up this son physically, emotionally, financially, and he spent all nights and day awake to be able to take care of this young man or young woman. And then a day has come that he's done something unthinkable, which we don't even know what it is, that this entire structure that he has built his 20 years, now he has to put sticks of dynamite and blow it up. It's not easy to do that. You'd only do that if something horrible has happened. Right? And so this must be a very sad day for the father who has to do something like that. And looking at the heart brokenness of the man's heart and looking at the situation he's in, Allah Jalla Jalalu says, Oh, your dua, I'm not going to reject. Bring it on. Allah Azza wa Jal complete protection from ever becoming a source of misery for our parents or forever having such children who become a source of misery for us. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. Right? So here, you, the, the deen teaches us to seek protection in Allah from such children. And the deen of does not wait till the hereafter to punish. One of those sins is disobedience to parents. That the punishment of that begins right here in this world. Right? And they say there's a saying, Al-Jaza' min jinsi al-amal. That a reward or a punishment is just similar to the action that was done.
Meaning, if a person mistreated his parents, then very likely besides financial and, 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 and emotional and, and psychological uh, problems that will come his or her way, one very likely way is that this person will get punished at the hands of his own children. What goes around comes around. So if a person was a sore thumb to his parents, a person gave a runaround to his parents, a person made his parents you know, cry and, and bring a, a, you know, distress to them, then if he does not or she does not seek forgiveness and repent in front of Allah and in front of their parents, then very likely then he will have to or she will have to taste this very same treatment at the hands of his own kids. And um, this is, many stories have been mentioned by shuyukh on this, right? Uh, Subhanallah. And maybe we have witnessed in the community overseas and here of people who have uh, been mistreated uh, horribly by their children and have gone through untold sacrifice, uh, difficulty. And when you go dig deeper and see what's going on, then you will hear the confessions that literally this person that you're pitying and have sympathetic towards, this same guy, this same lady, did almost something similar to their own parents. I have seen this. We have probably elder ones from amongst us have witnessed this. It's scary. It's true. Disrespect of parents is one of those things that Allah, as I said, does not wait till the hereafter to punish. It will happen right here in this world. My dear friends, you know, it's a very serious issue. Disrespect is a very serious issue. And this is one of the major attempts of shaitan today to ruin. His, what is his goal? Every single one listening and who is not listening. All of us need to join him in hell. That is... Mission statement of Iblis Is that so? Right So he's gonna look He's gonna get someone through Watching haram He's gonna get someone through Listening to haram He's gonna get someone through Having doubts about Islam He's gonna get someone through Indulging in riba He's gonna be, get someone through Eating haram He's got different He knows our weaknesses And he attacks us in different ways But one very strong weakness Within us Is respect for parents so he figures out that this guy, he's done a lot of good things. He's awesome. He's done great community service. He leads great salah. You know, he's, he's number one in his college. And he does all sorts of great things. But I still got to take him down. What am I going to do? So this is a weakness he sees within us. That we become angry and we become upset with everyone, including our parents. And that we become stubborn with everyone, including with our parents. And that we become haughty with everyone, including with our parents. So, or a person is very sweet and nice outside, but with his parents is different, right? That's pretty much the case. I have heard stories that I, I, I wish, like literally, I just wish I could erase them from my memory. Because I couldn't believe I'm going to have to hear in the masjid. And I had to tell the person at the end of it. I said, I'm sorry, I really feel a lot of zulma, darkness, nuhusa from me sitting with you. Because I heard these stories of... of, 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 of you know, of a mother being put through physical abuse by her own sons. And I said, you know, I just, I can't, I don't want to hear this. I just can't hear something like this. The fact that you're an eyewitness to that, it's happening in your family, it's happened to your mother. You know, this is something that I just, was ruined my day, ruined my week. You know, I really feel darkness. I want to end the conversation here. This is some vicar for you to do. And you know, let's call it quits. Because I don't have, I don't have, the, I can't stomach this anymore. That's, that's what happens When you hear people The stories of mothers uh, crying and, and even fathers Elderly fathers Crying and saying How they're mistreated By their you know, sons Who are in their 50s and 60s And strong and you know, whatnot And they really forget That you know, how long is this going to last You think about the, the, the tyrants of the Middle East And you say Ittaqillah Fear Allah What's wrong with you? Right? How dare you kill the thousands of people below you? How dare you engage in civil war? How dare you mask You, know, you gas your people? But what about this disobedient son and daughter? Really, how? Where are you going to run? How far? 
eventually what you, which you did is going to catch up to you. So this is a very big attack of shaitan today upon us is to create, uh, instigate us to disrespect our parents and not appreciate them. And that literally paves our path straight in a direct expressway into hellfire. One of the seven major sins, mubiqat, that destroy a person's akhirah. Mubiq, destroy, muhlik is number one. One of the, one of the number, a few top ones is aququl walidain. What is that with? It's, it's what is it in the same category of? It's in the category of qatl. It's in the category of killing. It's in the category of sorcery and black magic. It's in the category of running away from a battlefield. That's where this is kept. Allah Azza wa Jal says in the Quran, وَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفٍّ وَلَا تَنْهَرْهُمَا وَقُلْ لَهُمَا قَوْلًا كَرِيمًا Do not even say uff to them. We all heard this. I'm saying this for my own self, my benefit. Maybe you already heard it too many times. You don't need to benefit from it, but I need to benefit from it. So I share this again. وَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفٍّ Ali radiallahu anhu says, if there, was a lang- if there was a word in the Quran, if there was a word in Arabic language that could convey a smaller, lesser amount of displeasure, Allah would have used it here. Uf is the slightest, the smallest amount of displeasure that the Arabic language has. That, you know, there's so many different ways you could frown at someone. You could get mad at someone. You could pound your hand, right? You can yell at someone. You could raise your hand and hit someone. There's so many different ways to show displeasure. But the slightest, smallest amount of displeasure is encompassed in the word uf. And uf is not even a verb or a noun that you're using. It's not even, you're not even verbalizing, you know, you're not even pronouncing some, some, some uh, you know, audible or, 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 or you know, understandable lang- word that has a genuine definition that you open it up. Uf is simply, an ex- it's just a sound of, of uh, you know, exasperation. Uh, but softly, uff, that's it. More than likely, the mom and dad haven't even heard it. It's, you know, you're saying it behind them. But that, they haven't heard it, but who has heard it? Allah Azza wa has heard it. The angels have heard it, and it's been documented. It's been documented. So the Quran is saying, do not even say uf to them. Wala Do not get mad at them. Don't scold them. karima, and and speak to them in the most kind of words. Right, the most kind of words. Uh, and humble yourself. Humble yourself. That side of you, that the mercy side of you, the good side of you, put it down. Like literally, ikhfid means to lower. Janah means your wing. The way a wing brings, a, the way a bird brings a wing down. Similar, bring a wing down, meaning just lie flat in front of the parents. Waqul, and then you say, but why, ya Allah? This is so hard. She said this. He said that. This is, this is so upsetting. This is, you know, this and that. Allah says, then don't, don't just be super soft and super nice and control your anger and this and that. Then you got to make lots of dua. And you got to say, Rabbi Hamhuma, oh Allah, have mercy upon them. Why? Because if they have become a source of difficulty for me, I was most definitely a much, much greater source of difficulty for them when I was young. Yet that did not stop them from raising me. That didn't stop them from caring for me. Kama Rabbayani Sagira, Umar radiallahu anhu. He was approached by an individual who said, Ya Khalifatul Muslimin, Ya Amirul Mu'mineen, I have brought my mother with me for Umrah or Hajj. I have carried her on my back and I have performed tawaf. We can't even imagine what that means. Can't even imagine. Let's try carrying our mother from the car to the house. She's car- he carried her from his town, from his village, all the way to Mecca. And he performed tawaf and did the entire umrah or hajj. He comes to her, he comes to him and he says, have I fulfilled the rights of her? Have I done for her what she has done for me when I was young? I mean, this is a lot what I've done. For sure, by our standards, all of us put together in the room haven't done anything like this. So he said, absolutely now. 
Absolutely not. You haven't even fulfilled, you have not even paid her back for the amount of times you used to kick her when you're in her womb. And then he's like, but I done with, I've done for her what she was done, doing for me when I, when I was a little kid. She carried me, so I carried her. She washed me, and I'm having to wash her as well. She took care of me when I was crying. I took care of her when she's crying. Everything she did for me when I was young, I did the same. What's the difference? Look at the logic over here. You following? What an amazing answer. This gives all of us, it should give all of us goosebumps. Omar radiallahu anhu said, you got a point. You did for her what she did for you. Same, right? But there's a big difference. The big difference is, while she did... While she did what she did for you, she did it with a smiling face, hoping Allah would give you a long life. And while you do what you do for her, you do it grudgingly, hoping Allah will take her away. La ilaha illallah. Seal the deal. You don't say it like they said, may Allah give her a better place in paradise. You know, she's suffering a lot. You know, Umar radiallahu anhu, he just, just that was the firas of this man. The farsightedness. He hit it, bull's eye. And he said, you know, don't try to deceive me. That's a big difference. You're doing the same thing, but what's the intentions? What's the emotions? How long are you saying, Ya Allah, please give her an extra 10 years of life to my paralyzed mother, to my dementia, you know, suffering mother, to, to you know, the one who, is, uh, who doesn't even recognize me. Whatever, all sorts of diseases. And now you're doing the khidmah. You think the little baby understood, understands the mother? Doesn't. All night crying, random times crying, all sorts of stuff, Right? But the mom with a huge smile, it's okay, I, I, I can barely sleep, but it's fine, I'll do it for you. He says, you can't beat that. You can never beat that intention. You can never compete with that, subhanAllah. So that applies to every single one of us. Right? May Allah Azza wa Jal allow us to understand what's being said. Allow my, myself most definitely first and all of us here to understand what's being shared here. That the status that Allah Azza wa Jal has given to the parents is like that. But what happens? Today, even people of knowledge don't understand that. People of knowledge, they sit there, you hear parents say, my son, he studied in the deen, but he comes back and he quotes hadiths in front of me. He says, but the Quran says this, but like this. And it's scary. Because you realize that you know, the, the shaitan deceives certain people by not allowing them to even learn the masail of wudu. Then the other people he sees, this guy became a, you know, a hafid or a mufti or a alim or whatnot, but I gotta still get him, what should I do? So guess what? I'm gonna make him use the verses he memorized and the hadith he memorized to turn it against his parents and thereby seal his coffin and go into hellfire. So he's, shaitan's got something for everything. Make sure none of us are falling into this trap. Ask ourselves, assess ourselves, what's our relationship with our parents? One person had told me something so beautifully. He said, when those parents overseas, in their poverty-stricken areas of, you know, back home, raised 12 children in one small little two-bedroom or one-bedroom home, they never once even asked their neighbors for help. But today, those same 12 children in America cannot seem to take care of their one parent. Right? Which each of them have their own huge palace. But they say, you know, like a soccer ball, kicking them around. But over there, that same t t t t father didn't raise those 12 children on his own without ever asking anyone for help. How can 12 children not take care of one elderly father or mother? That's the, the, the reality today. Now people will say, but brother, we have jobs, we didn't have jobs. What? I mean, really, the worst part is you do stuff and then you come up with excuses. That's the worst part. Why don't we just say, خلاص, أنا مقصر. I'm mistaken, I'm wrong, I screwed up, I messed up, I gotta change. The, what's worse, Allah hates that. The excuse is worse than the sin. The excuse is worse than the sin, right? That's the reality of it. We sin. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. But let's not give excuses, seriously. Let's not give excuses to ourselves and fall for them to really think the excuse we have to disrespect or not care for our parents or go out of a way for them is legitimate. It's not legitimate. It never was legitimate. It never will be legitimate. 
So whether it's job, whether it's wife, whether it's sister, whether it's this and that, all of those things, my brothers, they will all become very clear, not in front of the alim or the mufti, in front of Allah Azza wa on the day of judgment. And we'll have to settle our scores that day. You want to wait for that day? Of course not. It'll be too late. You do not. The worst thing is that on the other side, on the other side of the fence, if any of us have our parents standing there against us, it's game over. We're not going to win this. We're not going to win this court case. If we are in court with our opponent, Allah forbid, as one of our parents. So this is something we all need to be working on continuously. Allah Jalla Jalaluhu speaks to those who have mushrik parents. Those who are destined to go to hell. They, they are polytheist. They disobey Allah. They, they don't even ex- believe in Allah's oneness. Allah Azza wa says, Don't obey them in their shirk. You have to pray your salah. You don't bow down to an idol or whatever. But guess what? Even if it's mushrik, and a mushrika, sahibhuma fi dunya ma'rufa. In the affairs of this world, you have to be as nice and kind as possible. Make sure that that aqidah part is separate. That aqidah part is separate. People say, my, my, you know, she, is, she, is, she follows a different madhab or has no madhab, or she's, she has this view and she follows this scholar or she follows this deviant. Whatever she follows or whoever he follows doesn't make a difference. Our parents, right? they have to be kept above us and those are our doors for Jannah. When Nabi said, he said, the father is the middle door of Jannah. The father is the middle door of Jannah. You can either you know, keep it or break it. Now, dear brothers and sisters, this, all of that, what I just shared right now, applies to who? Every single one of us who are as sons and daughters. Whether your mom and dad are alive or passed away. This applies to us. My, this, these hadith that I've shared with you should not be now recorded and made a small video for, chil- for parents to be playing continuously at home. Okay, so now I'm going to speak to the parents, including myself. I can't use this ahadith to say, this is how it is, you have to treat me like that. If a child is not treating his parents properly, we have to ask yourself, how did we end up with this in the first place? Why is this happening? This didn't happen. If you taught, if you taught all of this stuff when he was three years old, you wouldn't have been in this mess. More than likely, of course, there's always exceptions. Even Nuh and Lut salam's sons were non-Muslims, right? Mushrik and wives were too. So we have exceptions, most definitely. But... What is very annoying to, 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 uh, to the children who are leaving the deen, they say, my mom and dad don't follow Islam at all. And they selectively cherry pick stuff from the deen and say, oh, you have to follow me. Now, from the child's perspective, this is wrong to think like this. Guess what? Your mom and dad leave. They may go to hell for, for disobeying Allah. But guess what? Don't ruin your akhirah by disobeying them. You follow what I'm saying? What if the child says, but, but you're like this. You have no right to say that. Allah is the judge. You're not your mom and parents judge. Allah will judge them. Not for you to judge them. You need to figure out how you're going to fare in front of Allah. Allah is not going to say, your mom didn't pray, so you have a right to disrespect her. Your dad ate haram food, you have a right to disrespect him. Your mother had a haram job, so it's right for you to disrespect. No. The Quran says if they're mushrik, mushrik, you have to be nice with them. Who has, you know what I'm saying? So you can't use this card to say, oh, but, but, but you don't pray, but you don't do the hijab, but you lie, you cheat. This is the big, another fitna here in the youth, that they always point out, point out the mistakes of the parents. And they say, since you're like that, I have a right to criticize you. No, you don't. Even if they're mushrik, you, have no, you can invite them, you can pray for them. That's about it. If you love them, you pray for them. But you cannot use this tactic. So dear parents, like, let's not use this on our children if we haven't raised them properly with that. Because actually what will happen, it will only backfire. And they will, if you want khair from them, if you want them to become obedient, instead of trying to make them obedient to you, make them first obedient to Allah. When they become obedient to Allah, then they'll become obedient to you as well. 
When we tell people, send your children to study the deen, one month summer program, three week summer program, one year intensive, etc. What will I get it from? It's gonna be, he's going to fall behind in college. He's gonna, she's going to get married, late in her marriage or whatever the case may be. Dear friends, this son or daughter of yours, when they come to learn the deen anywhere, whether that was salam or somewhere else, properly in the company of, of, of ulama, then they will become a true servant of Allah. When they become a true servant of Allah, by Allah, they're not going to come make khidmah of us, they'll make khidmah of you. They'll make khidmah of you, they'll take care of you, they'll become qurratul ayn. They'll become the source of coolness of your eyes. Right? Why are you sitting there arguing like, you know, we want to ruin your child's life. We want to take away his future by telling him to study the deen. No, you will be the first beneficiary from a child who is given the proper tarbiyah. So instead of saying, hey, listen to me, may Allah forgive us, we have to say, I want you to listen to Allah. If you, if you got your son or daughter listening to Allah, part of the commands of Allah is to be respectful to parents. MashaAllah. So that's why we hear parents whose children come here to study. Many times they'll say, Alhamdulillah, my relationship with my child has changed so much. We're so grateful that he has become so respectful to us. He has changed, his attitude has changed. What happened? He actually got closer to Allah. He realized his mistakes. And then obviously he says, how am I going to get to paradise? By standing in the front row or being good to my parents? If I stand in the front row and be disobedient to my mom and dad, I'm not getting there. So dear brothers, this is all of the topic on Qurratul Ayn we're talking about. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us to seek, to, add, to make dua. Allah asks us to make dua to Allah, that Allah make my children the Qurratul Ayn. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He save us, all of us. I hope whatever I shared is a benefit for us because we have to contemplate and do some uh, you know, self-analysis of what's my relationship. We have to rate it. What's going on? How well am I doing? Am I improving or not? Most people don't think about this. Most people don't on their drive home or whoever you're listening right now to sit back and say, okay, let me assess this. Everyone thinks I'm the best son, the best daughter. Allah done deal. What else? SubhanAllah. I bought a, you know, I took her out to brunch on Mother's Day. What else do you expect me to do? Right? I mean, yes, mashallah. At least I sent some flowers on her birthday. So we're all thinking that we're doing something great. But when we concentrate and we think and assess it, we realize, subhanAllah, we're actually in a very, very, very bad shape. I've heard about the ulama of the past. I've heard of the ulama of the past that when, the, you know, an awliya, that when they would sit and they would never eat, sometimes would never eat with their mother and their father. Did you hear this? Not eat. They would stand and they would not eat with them. They said, why, would, why do you do this? They said, it should be that if we're eating on the table and I accidentally put my hand towards a piece of meat that my mother was intending to take. I don't want that to happen. That she had her eyes on, a, on one aspect of the, one part of the dish, and I accidentally, without knowing that she wanted it, goes for it. I will never forgive myself for that. So I wait for they complete to finish eating, then eat, subhanAllah. Right? That's the standard we're speaking about, that we need to be at. And those of us who, who, who've lost our parents, who've passed away, it doesn't end there. We have to remember them every single day in our dua. And we have to continuously do sadaqah jariyah on behalf of them. We have to become good, righteous people. So dear sons and daughters, including myself, if you aspire one day to have righteous, beautiful, healthy, you know, nice qurratul ayn children, what goes around comes around. If you want that to happen, become that first. If you, if you don't want to, if you don't become that for your parents, don't expect that, that Allah is going to give you that. Because it really won't. Right, it won't. First, become a source of, uh, become a rose for our parents, and then Allah Azza wa Jalla, inshaAllah, will give us roses as well. Allah Jalla Jalaluhu then mentions, "Fa O Maryam, if you see any human being, quli, tell him, Inni Rahmani Soma. Indeed, I have vowed to fast to the All Merciful. I have vowed to fast. I'm sorry, I'm fasting. How do? How should you speak? Make ishara with with your hands through signaling." Like, you know, just use sign language to say, I can't speak. And why can't you not speak? 
because I have, I'm fasting. Now this was found in the previous sharias that they had something called somul kalam, a fasting of speech. That literally they would not speak like how you don't eat and drink for in Ramadan or, or, or Sunnah fast. They wouldn't, they wouldn't speak. That was something that was found in the previous sharias. In our sharia, there is this normal, this type of fasting is not uh, actually you know there. It's not part of our sharia. Nabi Alaihissalam is mentioned. Abdullah Abbas says that Nabi Alaihissalam was giving a khutbah and there was a man standing. He was giving khutbah and the man is standing. The Prophet said, "Why is this man standing here? I'm giving. Why is this person standing here?" He said. Um, Abu Israel This man, Abu Israel has, has made a vow That he will stand and he will not sit And he made a vow That he will never take shade of a tree And he made a vow that he won't speak And he made a vow that he'll keep on fasting He just made these vows I want to be hard on myself I want to go hardcore I want to go through you know, Detox myself by doing all this stuff So the Prophet said Order him to speak and take the shade of a tree. And he should sit down. Right? And if he's fasting today, then let him complete the fast, but don't make it obligatory upon himself, basically. So this fast, this like creating things for yourself that are not in the sharia is not allowed. That I this is this is I never do it like that. People say this is my you know habit for 40 years. I will never do this. Okay, you know, where did you get that from? If something if you know, don't add stuff. Upon yourself that are not there to train yourself, you do something. Alhamdulillah, okay, fine. But to regard it as something haram, you're not allowed, that. If I break this, I'm breaking an order of Allah. You cannot add things in the Sharia. So another of, of or you know, vowing to not speak, etc., is not permissible. However, what we do have a fast is a fasting from bad talk, evil talk. Allah Jalla Jalalhu says uh, in the Quran, Al Hajju Ashurum Malumat Hajj. Yeah, the blessed months of Hajj. Whoever intends and performs the Hajj, right? No intimacy. Number two, Fusuq, no major sin. No argumentation. Meaning, while in Hajj, a person is to be very aware and cognizant that I'm in the house of Allah, I'm, I'm performing Hajj. Uh, there's shared resources, I gotta be careful. I gotta not allow my, uh, myself to get upset. And similarly, the Prophet said when a person is fasting, when any of you is fasting in Ramadan, for example, do not engage in intimate relations. Do not act in an ignorant manner. And if someone acts with you in an aggressive, ignorant manner, then just say, I'm fasting. I'm sorry. You know, you did something very annoying. I'm not going to respond to that. You said something very annoying. I'm not going to respond because I'm fasting. So we've been taught. That when it comes to uh, bad speech, yes, it's good to fast from that. But beyond that, normal speech, a person should not say, I'm, I'm not going to speak. Speaking less, of course, is beneficial. Uh, there is a hadith uh, related by Ibn Abu Dunya that, Aysarul ibadati asamtu. Aysarul ibadah. What's Aysar? Easiest. The easiest ibadah you can do is remain silent. That's an ibadah. Easiest ibadah when people are talking, arguing, you know, whatnot, just staying silent in, 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 and not speaking unnecessarily, right? You want to crack a joke, ask yourself, is this beneficial or not? Will it really bring a happiness or there may be misunderstanding? What's the benefit of this? Every single time before a person says something, think and think that if I remain quiet and I'm doing it so that I don't speak much, this is actually a form of ibadah. It's easy as well, it takes effort to speak. So Allah Azza wa Jalla told her not to speak to anyone, okay? All right. Then he says, why? Because 
they're not going to be in a nice mood when you go to them with this child. They're going to start accusing you with all sorts of stuff. And that's what happened. Thereafter, she came with him to her people, carrying him. They began to attack him, attack her. They said, oh Mary, very truly you have come forth with a thing of unimaginable horror. Right? Look at the translation. Very truly you have come forth with a thing of unimaginable horror. So much to be said. Look at that culture of the time. That mother giving birth to a child out of wedlock was what? The worst possible horror that the community could see. That, that, that same Virgin Mary, I wish today's community would understand that. Muslim and non-Muslim as well. That you, you celebrate Mary, alayhi salam, radiallahu anha, what type of society did she live in? What was the, how enraged people got? How dare you have a child out of wedlock? And what is it? What's the statistics in this country of how many people are, are born you know, out of wedlock? People are, are, have grandkids and then they decide to get married. It's a norm now, right? The statistics are staggering of what percentage of people uh, are, are, you know, and where that heads, single parents and all sorts of fitna and fasadas come into the world and corruption because of zina and because of children being born, born out of wedlock. No one to take care of them. Single mothers trying to ha- handle them. And then they, you know, fathers in jail or fathers somewhere else and fathers trying to raise themselves. What a mess. It stems from this one big sin of zina. So they began to attack her. Allah Azza wa Jal knew that this is going to happen. So he said to her, Don't speak. Right? I'm never going to speak to a human being. So that's what she, she didn't respond. Now, let's speak a little bit about this aspect, about not responding. Right? When people really say obnoxious and horrendous things to you, then the safest way really is to remain silent. Because by opening your mouth, it really doesn't help the situation. If someone could say the unthinkable, that means his mind has been very polluted against you. Right? And so by you saying anything, they're in that state of mind that they will not understand what you're saying. Because they are, have this preconceived notion that puts you in a box. Until you don't get them out of that box, you're no good. Be it suspicion has overtaken them, anger has taken over them. That's why when a husband and wife, or one of them is upset, what do we, would they always say in counseling? That the one who, who's upset, let them, you know, gives them some time to vent. But don't give answers at this time. Even if they're accusing you of all sorts of crazy things. Just stay quiet. You want to clear up the air? It's not going to work. Right? Because they're in that state of mind and anger. They, have, they put these blockers. They're not going to hear you. Everything you hear seems more wrong to them. So you wait. Give, you know, take, give some space. Allow the anger to subdue. Cool down. And then, you know, you can also have your 15 seconds of venting if you want. Later on, but not at that time. As much as shaitan wants you to use that opportunity to say, oh yeah, you want to do a screaming match? I can scream louder than you. That doesn't help. That just aggravates the situation further. So that should be a policy within the homes. That okay, once everyone's gonna, you know, the fuse is gonna go off, fine. But, you know, we can't go off at the same time. And that's like, that's the whole house will fall apart like that. So a person needs to train themselves that when one is upset, whether legitimate or not legitimate, you have to have the patience to say, you know, I gotta, I'm going to address this later on. 
You don't have the patience, then you walk away. You leave, you, you know, relax, do something else. But do not sit there and say, okay, let me bark back. Because then it can cause a lot of problems. So we learned, learned this from the likes of Imam Shafi'i. He says, Qalu asakata waqad khusimta. Imam Shafi's poetry is awesome, man. It's like, you know, it's so, it, it lasts, it, it addresses issues of every zamana, of every era, especially societal issues and how people act. I mean, that's the ones I usually read and quote, so that's why I'm sharing this. There's lots and lots of other aspects of, that he covers in his poetry, but the aspects of like social ills is amazing. Imam Shafi'i from, you know, uh, thousands of years, from hundreds of years ago, is mentioning this. قَالُوا أَسَكَتَّ وَقَدْ خُوسِمْتَ are you going to remain quiet when you have been debated with and people have spoken with, spoken to you in harshly? I responded, Indeed, giving an answer will, is the key to the door of more evil. He said, remaining quiet in front of an ignorant person or a fool is actually much more honorable. And by remaining silent, you actually protect your own honor. He says, do you not see that the lion, the lion, people are afraid of even though it's a quiet animal. While the dog is pushed away, I swear, even though it barks all the time. So the barking dog, no one is afraid of as a crawling, quiet crawling jaguar, you know, that is coming up for a jump. That's much more intimidating than a dog that's just barking all day. So he says, I don't want to be barking back at people. When people, when people are acting in an ignorant manner with me, I'd rather remain silent. Then he mentions, He says, a fool, he addresses me with every swear word out there. The foolish man, he's speaking to me with every swear and evil word. And I dislike to be answering back to him. He increases in his foolishness while I increase in my forbearance. He increases in his foolishness while I increase in my forbearance. Our example is like a piece of oud that piece of wood that's, that has got the oud oil in it, that the more you burn it, the more beautiful fragrance comes from it. MashaAllah. MashaAllah. What an example, right? The more you burn it, the more beautiful fragrance comes. And that's how we have to become. We have to become people like oud. Right? That when people push us, push the wrong buttons within us, and they become harsh with us, then that only makes us even softer. Right? That only makes us even cooler. That's, that's a beautiful trait to have. May Allah grant that trait to all of us. Dear friends, I just read about yesterday one of the key uh, one of the key ministers of Saudi oil minister for about thirty years or so. He died, so they were, the biog- the the they were write, the write up on him in the, in the New York Times. Interesting, it was similar to this. What I'm just saying here is that the Americans and the other uh, people who dealt with him said this man he knew how to get stuff done. The whole Arab. Uh, uh, embargo, um, uh, um, oil embargo that took place in the 70s, uh, in the early 70s, uh, with the, with, uh, we're trying to put pressure on the nations to, uh, after the Israeli, you know, uh, uh, Yom Kippur war battle, um, you know, or war, that embargo that took place that jolted up the markets, one man, I was reading about it, I was interested, one man did the whole thing, one man did, ran the whole show, right, and he, con- he literally shook up the entire world. 
uh, people didn't, and he was not even a ro- part of the royal family, right? But what, what they wrote about him was that he, the, 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 the CEOs of the oil companies say that he never pounded a table. We'd be sitting there pounding the table, getting angry. And he said every time we were harsh with him, he just became softer. <laughs> and he said in reality that was his tactic. He always walked away as a winner from the table. I just read this yesterday about him. And this is what we're speaking about this, right? That this is the, rea- the, the, the true negotiator. That's how he's going to be. If you want to win the people's hearts, if you want to be a leader at home or abroad or, at, or wherever else, in any community, we have to have hilm. We have to have forbearance. And that's why they say two things you have to ask Allah for. Knowledge and forbearance. Knowledge itself does you no good. Because with knowledge, if you, be, if you become short-tempered and arrogant, it will do more damage than benefit. But that knowledge has to be coupled with forbearance and hilm. And that's why the ulama of the past, when they would graduate from a madrasa after studying for 8, 10, 12 years, in the past, they would never get their, many of them would never get their actual ijazah or permission or certificate until they would go spend some time in the company of a shaykh, murabbi, of a mentor, where they would be focusing on learning the beautiful traits. You studied it in the books. Now we're going to make you Practically under fellow, like a fellowship program or a residency program where you break your nafs. That's used to happen before. This great scholar, but here, come first, 6 a.m., clean all the toilets, right? 7 a.m., serve food for all the guests, cook food, then serve the guests. What? What is my schedule? 9 a.m., sweep, you know, sweep, the, sweep the lobby. 12, 12, 12 p.m., in the heat, you know, go bring water from the well. That was a type of terbiyah that in older times they used to give to people who really wanted to become something, like the boot camp. It's not easy. So this would be the boot camp for the soul. You've got all of this knowledge, but this knowledge is going to be of no benefit until we don't cre- create within ourselves and build these beautiful qualities of ilm and hilm. So this is a very beautiful thing in our deen that, we're, that Allah Azza wa is teaching Maryam radiallahu anha that don't answer. Just stay quiet. Right? This is something that many of us today in social media when it goes after someone, cancel culture, attacking people and whatnot, all of that type of stuff happens. You've seen some of the ulama, they'll give one statement. This is an accusation, this is the reality. And then after that, they say, bas, finish. If I go back and forth, my whole life, that's all I'm going to be doing. Right? If you're in the spotlight, this unfortunately comes. Right? People will always be attacking. So now you just have to sit down and say, my work speaks for itself. And you have a right to disagree. And if you want, to, uh, you want to accuse me, here's the answer. Come and sit down and speak. But let, we don't speak on social media. That's not the place to speak if you are sincere. If you are sincere. I'll come to your house, you come to my house, we'll meet in a restaurant or whatever. We'll sit down and talk. Why in the world would you use a social media as a platform to clean, clear up the air? Come on, who are you, de- who are you deceiving? So if you're going to be insincere, then we don't have time to sit with insincere people. Because my sitting with you will be of no benefit. Everything I will say, you will use it against me. That's the reality of it. Wallahi, this is the reality of it. So Allah protect all of us from coming, coming across such people. But they are those thorns out there who are agents of shaitan. They don't even realize it. May Allah guide them. May Allah guide them. May Allah guide them. Whose job in the world is just going after people. On WhatsApp and social media. Kya milta hai bhai? Kya milta hai? Well, like all these WhatsApp groups that I'm not part of, but I hear about it. They choose, they choose one person and they attack him. They choose one establishment and attack it. They choose one masjid and attack it. They choose one restaurant and attack it. Ittaqillah, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing with your time? Why don't you come and memorize Surah Maryam with me? Why don't you come and sit over here? Right? That's a better use of your time. Or do something else. But why are you becoming, allowing yourself to become an agent of shaitan, to using social media to attack people? So you see that. If you're part of that, those groups, leave those groups. Don't be an audience for such people. 
Don't listen to people backbiting. Don't listen to people accusing others of stuff that they have no business about. Right? They have no, if you have any issue, many times I'm approached by people, what do you have to say about this issue? What do you have to say about this scandal? I have no idea. You know, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't want to know about it. Here's the address. Here's the phone number. Google it and go speak to them. Why are you speaking to me? This is, I've got nothing to do with this. Right? This is the reality. I've got nothing to do with it. So all of us need to have this policy. When someone comes and asks our opinion about something or someone, you should say, I don't know anything and neither do you need to know about this. Worry about your own business. Remember, you know, focus on your deen, focus on your children. But did you hear about this corruption that's happening? Brother, did you take care of your own children first? Why don't you take care of that first? How, how not corrupt are they? How not corrupt are my kids? How much we should be worried about? Any single day there can lead to corruption. That's all we see right now. Corruption, corruption. Why don't we sit at home and fix our own children? Fix our own spouse, fix our own kids. Right? That's, a, that's a reality. Before we start there, and guess what? Many times, I think, I could be wrong, many times what happens is people's houses are burnt anyway. So they say, I've already lost it. So let me go in bringing down other people. You know, my kids are already lost. So let me just go after other people. I've already got a you know, messed up marriage. So let me go after other people. They're sour for some other reason. And so that anger comes out by attacking other people. That's a very common issue as well, I've noticed. So this is something very beneficial for us to learn from today's lesson, is to remain silent in front of these useless type of things. You try to explain it once, and you see it's not benefiting, meet in person. If that doesn't work, move on. We don't have time to waste for this. We have short life, we've got to make the best use of it. Uh, so they told him, You have come with a very horrible, unimaginable act. Fariya is to remove burnt skin. Is that easy? Painful, the most painful thing. Burnt skin, pulling it off. That's what fariya comes from, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is giving the example that these people said that you've done something as disliked and as painful, like something that, like burnt, removal of burnt skin. So they, he, what, what was their answer? Ya ukhta Harun. She didn't, she, they said, Oh, the sister of Harun. Oh, the sister of Aaron. They're calling Maryam sister of Harun. Ma kana abukim ra'aso. Your father was not an evil person. Oh boy, they're bringing in the dad now. Bringing in the family. Wa ma kanat ummuki baghiya. Nor was your mother unchaste. Whoa, you're saying my mother wasn't unchaste. Okay, you're bringing her into the picture. Very painful statements. None of us like our parents getting involved in our business. Is that right? If we do something wrong, we say, deal with me. Why are you involving my mom and dad? Why are you bringing them into this? All of us, our ghayrah comes in. Don't say anything about my mom. Don't say anything about my dad. This is not uh, something small. Your mom was not, uh, you know, you can think of the fill in the blank, a bad word. How would any of you, you think they're saying it out of praise? MashaAllah, is not this? Of course not, right? There, it's that, that what we call madh, it's actually speaking, un, it's speaking harshly to her and in, in, you know, making fun of her and attacking her honor, but in a manner that looks, makes it look nice. Okay? That you know, your mom's not like, it's like, the, like the, what, that's not even to say. Why are you even bringing them into the kind of, why do you even bring those two words together? My mother and that in the same sentence. So imagine how upset Maryam is. She's already suffering from, the, you know, all this stuff happening. Alone, giving birth, it's shocked at the time. She's, you know, just emotionally shocked, everything, what's happening. Now she has to listen to this. People attacking her and her mom and dad. But she has patience. She, she's listening to what Allah had ordered her via Jibreel to remain silent, quiet. She's not going to answer. That's one very important point I want to say here. Second point, 
dear boys and girls, dear students, is what did they say? They said, they called her, they're saying, you come from a very good family. So we expect good from you. you look who you are. You're, okay, Harun. They called her the sister of Harun. Why have they called her the sister of Harun? Two, two. Harun, the brother of Musa, obviously was not in that era. He was hundreds of years before him. We know that. Some people think, oh, we proved the Quran wrong. Oh my God. You know, I saw one of the Islamophobes using this as like, I discovered it. The secret to the Quran being false. Right? And the whole video with all the likes. That's it. This is one verse of the Quran that you can bring down Islam with. This is it. <laughs> right? I mean, may Allah guide such people, man. They're just so lost. So lost. Why can't we think like that? Do Are you thinking like that? You're not thinking like that. We could think like that too then. It's Allah who gives us hidayah and who chooses not to give to them or take it away from them once. This is an ex-Muslim actually I'm speaking about who made a big deal about this. So Harun, there's, we know it's not from the same era. So what's the answer? Why have she been called Ukhta Harun? Number one is that from hadith, this answer is from Sahih Muslim. It's amazing. This question is not raised by the Islamophobes of 2020. But this was a question that was raised during the time of the Prophet ﷺ itself. The Prophet ﷺ, it said, related a hadith related in Sahih Muslim by Mughayra ibn Shu'bah. Mughayra ibn Shu'bah says, لَمَّا قَدِمْتُ Najran, When I went to Najran, which is the town of village of the Christians, سَأَلُونِي They asked me something. They said, قَالُوا إِنَّكُمْ تَقْرَأُونَ يَا أُخْتَ هَارُونَ In your Qur'an, you read, Oh, the sister of Harun. وَمُوسَى قَبْلَ عِيسَى بِكَذَا وَكَذَا And Musa, the brother of Harun, was so many years before Isa. Did you hear what I just said? This is a hadith of Sahih Muslim. 1400 years ago, this question, you're trying to surprise me by saying, oh, we got the secret to destroy the Qur'an. This is all mentioned in our authentic books, that this question was raised by the Christians of Najran. So Nabi what did he say? Uh, what did Bughayr ibn Shu'bah do? He didn't have an answer. He said, okay, I'll find out. He came to Rasulullah and سَأَلْتُ عَنْ ذَلِكَ And I asked the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, the Christians of Najran asked me this question. What should, I, what should I have said? What do we learn from this? No matter who you are, even if you're a companion of the Prophet, if you don't know something, you say you don't know it. And you're going to go find out. Not to say I have to always have an answer for everything. And I'm going to Google it. No, we're just going to find out. We're going to ask the people. So he said, the Prophet said, simple. This was a tradition that they would name their children after the prophets and the pious before them. Like we do that today. We have Musa and Ibrahim and Harun and all sorts of people, right? So this doesn't mean that uh, we have, you know, we're in the era of Ibrahim or Musa. So Harun was actually a relative of hers who was named after Nabi Harun. And he was a very pious relative of hers. It comes in certain historical narratives that he was such a righteous, pious person that when he passed away, 40,000 people attended his janazah. It's written that in books that he was an actual pious relative. So that's what he's saying. Oh, the sister of Harun. Look at your brother so good. What happened to you? Another explanation is, Ukhta Harun is referring to the original Harun, Musa's brother. But it means that, you know, you're from that family. That's your forefather. That's, you're from that tribe. Like, what's going on with you? You're from Bani Israel. These are your elders. Like, وَذْكُرْ Ad. Allah Jalla Jalalu says in Surah Zuhruf, or Ahqaf, وَذْكُرْ Ad, Referring to Hud salam. But he's not, you know, وَذْكُرْ Ad. Remember the brother of Ad. 
right? Meaning the one who from that from that tribe. Allah Jalla Jalalu says, shayateen. Those who spend extravagantly are the brothers of Shaytan. So anyone who goes on a spending spree in a in a in a haram place, he's not a jinn, he's a friend of a brother of Shaytan, he's a jinn. No. He's a human if he's maxing out his credit card and useless things. He's still a human being. Ikhwan shayateen means you're acting like a shaytan. Why are you doing that? This is something hated by Allah to do extravagant to spend in haram places. So it just simply means you have the traits of Harun. You're, you know, you should, you, you, you come from a, such a good, pious family. Okay, so that they speak to her like that to really rub it in. You come from a very pious family, and or your brother was genuinely very pious, Harun, uh, not brother, relative. And number two, your mom was such and such, and your dad was so and so. So one thing, what we pause, let's pause over here in this part. They're basically saying the premise is. If your mom and dad are good and you're, you come from a good family, what do we expect from you? Good. This premise is not wrong. This is correct. This is correct. That if mom and dad are good and righteous, very likely then the children will come right. They are, of course, exceptions to every rule. Right? Every, you know, there's always exceptions. There are always possibilities that Allah turns someone's heart away. We, and I've mentioned Abu Talib is an example, and the children and the wives of Lut and Nuh is an example. The father or the uncle of Ibrahim is an example, right? Amongst, just amongst the prophets. But the, usually what happens is if we are righteous and God fearing and we make an effort, then inshallah our children also will be righteous. But if we do not make that effort, then we cannot expect goodness. This is so important, dear friends, because people are wondering. How my children are going off track, which is pretty much every day, every day, nonstop, right? We're getting one thousandth and one millionth of what's happening out there. But there's not a single day where this isn't happening. Where you're saying, my kids, my kids, my kids. What do I do? What do I do? And you have to, you know, you have to. Call, people are calling each other down. Okay, I guess I don't have it that bad. He's got it worse. So you know, people are just com- comparing each other's kids. It's like, oh my god, this is crazy. Wait till my child. I hope I doesn't become like that case. That's what it is. That's a pandemic right now of, of completely disobedient to Allah children. Children are disobedient to Allah. So the, the issue here is that if the taqwa is within the parents, and if we raise them properly on the love of Allah and His Rasul, things will change. Um, I heard a very beautiful talk, a short clip by, uh, recently, by Mulana Salim Dorat, one of the great ulama and awliya of England. And Mulana Salim was mentioning that many people today complain of the issue of atheism and say how their children are losing Islam and leaving Islam. And I'm always talking about that because that's what's happening. All right? So to, uh, just today, right before we came here, you know, uh, uh, we got a message of an 18-year-old girl, may Allah guide her, who uh, decided to, you know, uh, say that she's not part of the, she's no longer straight, she wants to join another community, and then said, you know what, I might as well just leave Islam too while I'm at it. So, and their parents are very religious, siblings are very religious, now they've asked for help. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for them. So it's, this is a very you know, in, increasing thing. So the thing is, dear brothers, if we, what Mulan Sadi mentioned something beautiful. He said, there's two things that we need. Let's all listen attentively to this. He said, we need ilm, we all need knowledge. That's what's going to keep us right, to know what's right, what's wrong. And number two is we need suhba and companionship. He said, if we give our children both knowledge and good company, this is the strongest way to protect our children from falling into traps like this. 
The big issue is that our children are uneducated in the matters of deen. They don't know how to answer questions. They don't understand why we do what we do. They don't have a firm faith. Aqidah is not strong, number one. They don't have the knowledge. And number two, they do not have good companionship. And I want all those who are listening online and those who are listening here, I want to know where's your son and daughter, right? MashaAllah. Kudos to all those beautiful brothers and sisters who are sitting here listening live right now. And those who are at home are listening. Alhamdulillah. You guys are qurata'in for your mom and dad. Maybe they should know that. If you're sitting here, if you have the tawfiq on a Tuesday evening in this era to come to the masjid and to pray salat al-isha with jama'ah and to listen to a talk, alhamdulillah, I feel happy for your parents. May Allah give you istiqamah. But the rest of us who, do, who are children are not connected with the masjid, ask ourselves, why not? Why not? The masjid is not a place just for weddings and janazas. We have to stay connected. Our children have to stay connected with the masjid. Dear parents and dear youth who are not married yet, and who will have marriage and children, and those who are married and have little kids, remember this. If our children do not have the suhbah of the masjid and the suhbah of the ulama, they're going to get lost. It's not sufficient for them to watch a bunch of knowledge-based YouTube, YouTube videos. That's part of it. But the reality is it, it requires companionship and suhbah of the pious. They have to sit in the company of Ahlullah. Allah Jalla Jalalu says in the Quran, Listen attentively. Ya O believers, fear Allah and be in the company of the truthful ones. I've heard this, this ayah being recited in front of me by scholars when I was studying overseas. I can't imagine how many times. Every single scholar would always you know, say this Fear Allah and be in the company of the truthful ones. The method the Quran works is that Allah gives you a command and then tells you how to fulfill the command. He tells you what to do and then gives you the recipe for it. Right? Yeah, here, bake a cake. Or here's the eggs, here's the milk, here's the butter, here's the flour. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, have taqwa. Okay, Allah, what should I do next? Kunu sadiqeen. Be with the truthful ones. Who are the truthful ones? Those whose life and who, uh, those whose actions and whose speech you know, align with one another. Those whose actions and speech align with the method of Rasulullah, the Sunnah of Rasulullah. They walk the talk, they, walk, they talk the talk, they walk the walk. Those individuals. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if you stay with them, what's going to happen to you? Taqwa will come into you sooner or later. Taqwa will come into you sooner or later when you stay with them. Number two, another point that the ulama mentioned on this ayah is, the fact that Allah is asking us to be in the company of the pious, this means that as long as this world exists, there will always be righteous people. Do you all understand what I'm saying? As long as the world exists, there will always be righteous people. Otherwise, what are you, going to, are you going to say? Oh, how does this ayah Quran apply? Is the Quran lying? Is the Quran not truthful anymore? It is. It's there for all the time. So there will always be righteous people in the world. You simply have to look for them. They're in our neighborhoods. They're in our towns. They're our own villages. Look. If you can't, don't know where to start, start by the sajda. First, pull out the musallah. That's your map. Pull it out. Google search You search on the musallah Search I need a wali I need a wali I need a friend of Allah You put down You say Allah Please allow me to find a good company For my wife For my kids For myself And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Will allow you Maybe it might be an airplane trip It might be a, a, a restaurant You may You'll just bump into someone And say okay Subhanallah This is the person I need to meet This is the person That Allah has allowed My paths to cross with And will bring change Into my life Right So we need to have this faith that if we stay in the company of the righteous ones, our doubts will go away. Dear brothers, please do not reach out to the masjid only when everything has fallen apart, your house is on fire, everyone has left, and then we call the masjid. It doesn't work like that. Why you put yourself in a situation like that? Every father and mother who's listening needs to know, are my children, 
attached to the ulama? Are my children attached to the masjid? You don't need to tell them that. Every single son and daughter of ours needs to have a scholar's number saved in their phone book. I'm, I'm telling you this. Every single child of ours needs to have a scholar, male or female scholar, saved in their contact list. And they shouldn't just say, okay, some, some imam of so-and-so. What's his name? I don't know. That doesn't work. I'm talking about someone you actually know that you'd be comfortable to reach out to. If you haven't done that for your kids, I'm sorry, in my opinion, you've oppressed them. It's like you don't have a primary doctor and you don't have insurance for them and you don't have anything for them to say, bye, if you, you're sick, well, there's a road, there's a graveyard. Salam alaikum. That's exactly what we're doing. If you don't give your children resources, because my friends, when he's sick, or when she's fallen very ill, they're not going to be in a mood to go search for a scholar at that time. It's too late. You have to make this intizam and preparation well in advance. So that as soon as he starts feeling or she starts feeling ill, they know, I need to text so-and-so. I need to call so-and-so for help. So if our children don't know that, we are to blame. We have to take that effort, connect them. You can't say, oh, they don't speak the language. There's English-speaking ulama all over, Arabic-speaking ulama all over, Urdu-speaking, whatever your child speaks. There's alhamdulillah, there's so much in this country now. We have no reason to complain. We have so many resources available. But if, we don't, if we're not creating that suhba, and that's, I'm, I'm, because it's my, it's my pain, that's why I'm sharing this with you, because parents don't do that. Frankly speaking, they don't. They'll come, and the dad only will come, the child, sons won't come. If the son comes too, there's no salam. They'll come, they'll sit in the tafsir, they'll sit and pray salah, and out. They won't say salam to anyone. They'll come in with their friends, leave with their friends. They have no idea. If you come to the masjid and you don't build a relationship with someone at the masjid, that's not going to help as much. It's like, you, oh, I went to the hospital. And that's it. You need to see the doctor in the hospital. You don't just show up at the hospital. The masjid will give you, but you need someone to teach you how to use the masjid. You need, masjid has everything. This is surrounded by angels. But someone has to teach you how to use the musallah. Someone has to teach you how to use the tasbih bead. These are our weapons. Our hands are our weapons. But you have to go to the shooting range to learn how to do it. Where's the shooting range? That's the suhbah of the ulama. They will teach you how to use your hands. Not in mortal combat, alright? Not in kung fu or karate. You can learn that also elsewhere too. I'm talking about how to raise that in front of Allah and get your needs fulfilled. Tasbih. The musabbiha. The beads. How to use that to take care of your needs. How to open up the mushaf and utilize it to take care of your needs. Where do you learn that from? You learn that from good companionship of righteous, pious people. So we cannot attach ourselves only to institutions or masjids. Beyond that, we have to attach ourselves to individuals. Because the Qur'an was never revealed in a vacuum. The Qur'an was not revealed in a mountain. The Qur'an was not revealed in the Kaaba. The Qur'an was revealed in the heart of the Prophet ﷺ. Whoever wanted it, didn't go to the Kaaba to receive it. Whoever who wanted it, did not go to Ghar Hira to go get it. They went to the Rasul ﷺ to get it. And the next generation went to the companions. And the next generation went to Tabi'un. So if we want Qur'an, and we want the understanding of the Qur'an, and we want spirituality, it has to come from the people, men and women of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they will always be there. No matter how bad the world is right now, there are thousands of them. You know, when we hear about them, we hear about them when they pass away. Like, oh my God, I didn't know such, and such people exist. This last week, I was telling someone, it's like we lost not mountains, we lost mountain ranges. This last week, some of the most senior ulama of Libya, some of the most senior ulama of Pakistan, some of the most senior ulama of Turkey, some of the most senior ulama of, of the African continent, some of the most senior ulama in Cape Town, all over the world, we lost a huge number of seven or eight ulama. Every single day we lost one. 
We lost uh, uh, one of the greatest qadis, one of the greatest you know, uh, uh, judges of, the, of, of India, Muslim person Allah. And another one, the teacher of everyone, Qadi Mujahid al-Islam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shifa. He's around 90, 95, he's got corona, he's in right now under treatment. SubhanAllah. You know, he doesn't look too great. Allah is Qadir. But I'm just trying to tell you how things are caving in. We hear about Sheikh Amin Sirajuddin, Rahimahumullah, who passed away just last, you know, the few days ago in Turkey. Right? These great, great, great mountains. I didn't say mountains. They're mountain ranges. They're leaving. The fact that in 2020, all of this was around, isn't that shocking? Yes. They're still around. Don't, instead of just crying of those who are left, there are many who are alive still. There are many. If that means you need to catch a flight, take a flight. If that means you need to go somewhere else, go. Look around. But we need the sahbah. Take your kids. People say, I need to go for a vacation. You need to, yes, you need a vacation. You need a spiritual vacation. Introduce your children before you die to righteous people. Make sure. They say, I need, you, I, need to, I need you to know my family accountant before I die. I need you to know the family lawyer before I die. No, my friend, that's all important. More important is that you need to know a shaykh and a shaykha before you die. Because if you don't hand them over to the sahbah and the companionship of them, who's going to look after your kids? Who are they, they going to resort to and ask questions when they're confused about? This is a really important point. We, we, we end on this point that the people of Maryam, they expected her to be righteous and pious because she came from a good family. And that is true. If the mom and dad are righteous and pious and they make effort at a young age, inshallah, the children will come pious. And a very important message to our unmarried men and women. The Prophet ﷺ said, تزوجوا, the gist of the hadith, get married into a pious lineage. Get married into a pious irq, like a vein. Get, get married into a pious you know, lineage. Meaning, piety does go through generations. Don't just look at the individual. Look at how his or her father, grandfather are. And look for a family that, that has a standard. You know, you want to buy, you want to open up, a, you, do you want to buy a stock in a company that opened up last night or has been there for 150 years? You, do you trust a company that's been there for seven generations? Or do you trust a company that started last night? Think about that. When getting into marriage, look at a family that's known for piety. Dear friends, my dear boys and girls who are not married, looking for marriage, why is it do you think that you will marry a fasiq or a fasiqah? And then you expect to have solahat born. An open sinner. An open sinner. And then you say, inshallah, make dua. When I get married, I have my kids are going to be students. What do you expect? If you, if you have yourself are not a student, or more so your wife is not a student who you want to get married to, you and your husband both, I have nothing to do with the deen. And then you're seeing the dreams that my children are going to be like this. First, take care of yourselves. Either before you get married, come right, or make tawbah at the time you get married, or find someone else who is righteous, more, who has more taqwa than you. This should be the standard that we should all have. Find someone who is more God-fearing than I am, who is more practicing than I am. That's got to be it. Every person's got to look at whatever level I'm at, go to another level. Because why? I fluctuate. I need someone who's going to be stronger. So when I fluctuate, can push me back up. If you get someone who's weaker, we're already weak. We're already weak. If you get someone who's weaker than us, they'll pull us down. The standard should be, look someone who is more righteous, more God-fearing, and more practicing of Islam. Dear boys and girls who are not married, think long-term. Don't make, don't make your children suffer because of your own lust, because of your own mistakes. That's what's going to happen. Our children have to pay the price because of stupid, foolish mistakes we made. Marriage is something that will last for eternity because your children will have children, will have children, and this will go till the day of judgment. You make one wrong mistake in choosing a wrong spouse who doesn't have deen as their priority, your poor kids have to pay the price. And then the poor grandkids have to pay the price. And this is a, a vicious cycle that may never end. For generations, we will have set them up. For all those people who married non-Muslims, 
Subhanallah. Just because they were, they were attracted to someone's skin color, La ilaha illallah. I don't know how they're gonna face Allah. Today's their sons and daughters, we have seen too many of them, too many of them, that the janazah is in the masjid. Their own son and daughter wearing tuxedos and, and dresses stand there, say, no thank you. We're doing our prayers from here. Their own son and daughter will not pray salatul janazah because they're not Muslims anymore. Just because you wanted, a person wanted a visa, a green card, or was attracted to a certain skin color, subhanallah al-azim, kids are going to hellfire because of this. Grandkids are going to go to hellfire because of this. Why, why would you do this to yourself? Why would you do this to your generations? So dear friends, no matter what you think, control your emotions. What mistakes you make, will, will, the generations will have to pay the price for. And if you, make, if you take a right step, then subhanallah, for generations they'll be making dua for you. I ask Almighty Allah to give us the strength to make the right steps. And to, to really choose taqwa over everything else when choosing a spouse. And that when those of us who have children, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to prioritize the deen and teaching them the deen within the form of companionship, becoming good company ourselves for them, and allowing us to find good company for, uh, for them from amongst the community as well. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Allahumma tassalamu minka salamu wa barakatuhu adhal jalali wa ikram. Allahumma lakal hamdu kulluhu wa lakal shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi thalana alayka antikam athaniti ala nafsik. Allahumma ya hayu ya qayyum birahmnika nastaghith aslih lana ashaarana kulluhu wa la takilna ila nafsina tarfata'in. Allahumma ya hannanu ya mannan ya badi'a samawati wa laudi adhal jalali wa ikram رحمتك وعزائم وغفرتك والغنيمة من كل بر والسلامة من كل إثم اللهم لا تجعلنا في مقامنا هذا ذنبا إلا غفرته ولا هما إلا فرجته ولا مريضا إلا شفيته ولا دينا إلا قضيته ولا ضالا إلا هديته ولا حاجة من حوائج الدنيا والآخرة هي لك رضا ورنا فيها صلاح إلا أعنتنا ويسرتها لنا يا أرحم الراحمين Ya Allah, accept this gathering. O Allah, accept those who are listening here and those who are listening later on. O Allah, accept all of us to allow us to practice on the good that was shared. O Allah, please do not make these words a proof against any one of us, Ya Allah. O Allah, do not make these words a proof against any one of us. Allow us to inculcate, Ya Allah, and embody the teachings of the Quran, Ya Allah, the teachings of Rasulullah Sallallahu O Allah, remove the veils of darkness from our hearts. O Allah, allow the nur of the Quran to penetrate our hearts. O Allah, allow the love of the Quran, the love of the seerah, the love of the sunnah, the love of our Prophet, the love of the family of the Prophet, the love of the companions, the love of the pious, to penetrate to the deepest parts of our hearts, Ya Allah. O Allah, make our hands, our feet, our, our, our eyes, our, our minds, our tongues, O Allah, and our entire body pure from sin, Ya Allah. O Allah, remove all the filth and the, and the effect of, evil effect of sins from our entire body, Ya Allah. O Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to grant all of us strong yaqeen, strong iman on the unseen. O Allah, all of those who are suffering from doubts, O Allah, all of those who are leaving Islam have left Islam. O Allah, all of those who are, have been caught up in the postmodern issues and fitan, O Allah, we ask you to bring them, those youth and those adults back towards the Islam. Bring them back to conviction. O oh Allah, please remove the veils of shaitan from their eyes and their hearts, Ya Allah. Allow all of us to see the truth. Allow us to always remain steadfast in the truth. Grant us istiqamah and steadfastness on the truth. Ya Allah, any one of us are relatives, extended relatives, extended and friends and friends of friends who have left Islam, who are deviating from the right path. O Allah, who are going through financial, spiritual, mental, emotional difficulties. O Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, I'll cure all of us and cure all of them. Bring the us and all of them back to the deen, Ya Allah. O Allah, we ask you to protect our youth. Ya Allah, protect the iman of the youth. O Allah, the honor of the youth. O Allah, protect their honor. O Allah, protect their iman. O Allah, save all of us from falling into temptations. O Allah, save us from the fitna of the internet. Save us from all the evil that lurks in our homes, Ya Allah, in our pockets, and all our 
around us all the time. O Allah, allow us to have a strong resolve to stay away from the temptations of Iblis, Ya Allah. O Allah, protect us from Iblis and his entire armies. O Allah, allow us to see his deceptive methods. Allow us to sense and smell his deceptive methods. And allow us to protect ourselves from that, Ya Allah. Allow us to warn others from that, Ya Allah. O Allah, we ask you to grant us the ability to increase in our knowledge, increase in our dhikr. O Allah, grant us the beautiful character of Rasulullah Sallam. Allow us to improve our character at home, especially with our parents and our spouses and our children, O Allah, and our siblings, O Allah, and our relatives far and near, Ya Allah. O Allah, grant all of us the ability to be righteous, pious sons and daughters to our parents. O Allah, and in turn, allow us to be gifted with most amazing, righteous, pious children, Ya Allah. O Allah, grant health, spiritual and emotional and physical and mental health to our parents and our children, Ya Allah. O Allah, those of us whose parents and grandparents have passed away, fill their qabr with nur, fill their qabr with nur, become pleased with them, Ya Allah. All those ulama who've passed away from the entire ummah, Rasulullah and all the ummah that is Muslim ummah that has passed away, O Allah, Grant them the sadaqah jariya of this majlis of ours. Allah, grant them the benefit of this dua of ours. Oh Allah, allow them in their graves to be able to benefiting from all the good that we do, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to, 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 to grant us the, the, the intelligence to be able to benefit from good gatherings and from good company. Allow us to be able to find righteous friends for ourselves and our for families. Allow us to find righteous scholars and, and God-fearing people, Oh Allah, so that we can sit in their company and protect ourselves from falling into sin, protect ourselves from falling into doubts, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant shifa from any and all sicknesses that people of our students, our staff, our musallis, our families, oh Allah, our next, and, and all those well-wishers from across the globe may be suffering from. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant shifa from spiritual, emotional, physical, and mental illnesses. Oh Allah, protect Darus Salam, the institution, the madrasa, the masjid, the musallis, the students, the past, current, future students. Oh Allah, their families, oh Allah, and all aspects of the, the brick and mortar of this building, and all aspects of this institution. Oh Allah, we ask you to protect our, our patrons, our supporters, our listeners. Oh Allah, we ask you to keep us all under your shade. O oh Allah, grant us all protection from the fitna of Dajjal. O oh Allah, grant us protection from the fitna of wealth, from the fitna of intoxication of dunya. O oh Allah, from the, all the fitna that are out there, Ya Allah, allow us all to differentiate between right and wrong. Grant us the ability to steadfast on the right and protect us from falling into uh, from falsehood. Ya Allah, those who are of marriageable age and who are looking for marriage, O oh Allah, make it easier for them to find the very best of spouses, the most righteous of spouses. O oh Allah, those who are married, put muhabba and love within their marriages. O oh Allah, those who don't have children, grant them righteous, healthy, happy children. O oh Allah, those who have children, O Allah, allow them to be raised in an appropriate manner. Inspire the parents, inspire the parents to be able to raise them properly, give them the proper tarbiyah, Allah. O Allah, we ask you to grant us all the good that the Prophet ﷺ had asked you of. So we seek protection in you from all the evil that the Prophet ﷺ had sought refuge in you from. O Allah, grant all of us qubuliyah, grant us acceptance, grant us acceptance till the last breath. O Allah, grant us iman till the last breath. O Allah, lift us, in this, lift us from this world in a state that you are most pleased with us, and we are also looking forward to what you have prepared for us. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma asifun, wa salamun ala mursaleen, walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Amin. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.